is the, what we're going to talk about, and it's coming out of John, the third chapter. So if you'll turn there, I'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, bless this hour. Let your Holy Spirit flow in a great way that we might be able to pick up on the thoughts that you have for us to be the people we need to be. We're going to find out there's some good things we need to learn from you, and Lord, some of them have to be learned the hard way. So we ask that you just teach us, use us, and help us to be the child of God you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. In John, the third chapter, I'm just going to read, and most of you know that's where Jesus and Nicodemus got together, and he taught him about being born again. I'm going to read the first two verses, and that's probably all the farther I'm going to get. So I guess I'll have to teach about being born again next week. All right, I don't want to go past my allotted time and make everybody late for supper. All right, in John, the third chapter, says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, His, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Okay, you got that memorized? Because I'm going to read it to you later from another translation and you'll be able to compare the, the words from one to the other. I'm going to tell you something. This was a life-changing moment for a man named Nicodemus. This changed his entire life from that point forward. Now, what was he? Well, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Well, what's a Pharisee? Well, that's a person that's studied a lot. That's a purpose, person that in the temple in Jerusalem had a lot of authority. He was a, a teacher. Uh, actually, he could even probably have been carrying the title of rabbi in the Jewish religion or whatever, however you want to look at it. Their pastors or their ministers are called rabbi. It's this word in the Bible, rabbi, actually refers to just a teacher. Now, teachers are people that have knowledge, if you want to say it that way, and relay that knowledge on in such a way that you pick up on that knowledge and it becomes useful knowledge in your life. That's what a teacher should do. Amen? Now, we, I understand we got problems in our school districts in America where some of the teachers are overstepping their bounds and want to teach their opinions. That's not what a teacher is supposed to do. A teacher is supposed to teach you what subject matter you're there to learn. Amen? Now, I know this because I went to Ohio State in 1968. Amen? Long time ago. But my English teacher, I didn't really like him. You know what? I thought he was there to teach English. I thought his real role there was to pick up girls. I thought that's what it was for. He wasn't there to teach English. He told us to write papers, then he looked at them and just throwed a grade on them, handed them back to us. I don't even think he read them. But he always had office hours, and he encouraged the young girls, those freshman girls that are 18, 19, to come visit him in his office, and he'd help them with their English. 
Well, I think he really had other motives. That's neither here nor there. And hopefully he's still not teaching English at Ohio State because we want to do better, don't we, Joel? Amen. All right. So being a Pharisee, this is not just some kind of a club that someone could join in first century Jerusalem. This is not like the Elks. It's not like the VFW. It's not like any of those clubs that people have some kind of background draw that brings them together for fellowship. Being a Pharisee was something that you did because you were called of God to do it, supposedly. Amen? Kind of like a pastor. Amen? I got to tell you, I would never have become a pastor if I didn't believe in my heart 100% that God called me to do it. Amen? And if they'd asked me, will you be the pastor? And I didn't believe God had called me to that position, I would have never said yes. Amen? That's just me. I know that's uh, not a lot of people's characteristics. A lot of people maybe thought because their dad was a pastor, they should grow up and be a pastor. Well, that's fine if they're called. But if they just want to do it for the money, I know pastors that do it for the money. How do I know that? Because they had a nice little church where they were really doing a good work, doing great things in the kingdom at that little church, and a big church called them up. Said, we need a pastor, and we pay this much. You know what he said to the little church? Bye-bye. I got bigger fish to fry. I guess you could just say it that way. Sometimes people are in it for the money. Sometimes people are in it for the clout or the power. They get an adrenaline rush knowing that everybody looks to them because of the title. And I'm sure the Pharisees got caught in that trap based on what I know of the New Testament scriptures. Amen. But anyway, when you think of a Pharisee in the temple, you should be thinking of a person that's just a little bit smarter than the average deplorable. All right? Now, I'm, I want to use that because it ties over. It's not a political party. It was not like you were a Democrat or a Republican when you was a Pharisee. Although the society in the first century in Jerusalem seemingly was led by the city leaders that were as divided as America is today. They had their problems too. We haven't learned a thing from them. I don't know why, but nonetheless, let me read now from the everyday verses 1 and 2 of John the third chapter. There was a man named Nicodemus who was one of the Pharisees, an important Jewish leader. One night, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we know that you're a teacher sent from God because no one can do the miracles you do unless God is with him. What miracles was he talking about? Can I tell you something? In the third chapter of John, how many miracles in the Gospel of John has been recorded that Jesus did? Anybody know? Want to take a guess? How many? One. You know what it was? He turned water and wine 
in Cana, in Galilee, and from Jerusalem to where he did that, that's about a 90-mile walk. And Nicodemus heard about it. It must have been really something spectacular to have witnessed when he turned the water into wine at a marriage feast that they were having in Cana. Amen? Now here Nicodemus says, I've heard all about your miracles. I can tell you one other thing that happened in the second chapter of John, other than turning water to wine as a miracle. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, he came there because it was Passover time, feast time they called it. Let me look and see if I can point that out to you. Uh, in verse 12, And this he went down to Capernaum, and he and his mother and his brethren continued there not many days. Verse 13, And the Jews' Passover was at hand. You know what that means? If, it was, if you're a Jew and it's Passover time, you've got to go to Jerusalem. Everybody's got to make the trip. It's part of your religious duty, I guess you could say, to take part in what takes place in the temple during the Passover week. It's a whole week of celebration. Jesus went every year, the Bible tells us. All right? 30 years old, Jerusalem, here we come. Passover week. Not just Jesus, his mom, his brethren, the disciples, and anybody else that considered themselves a Jew went to Jerusalem. Amen? It was a really large crowd. Amen? So here we see uh, uh, Nicodemus, not only as a Pharisee, but as what the, new, the everyday says, an important Jewish leader. If you're an important Jewish leader, the best week you can be on your toes is Passover week. Amen. Well, Jesus was there for that week. Amen. And what did he do while he was waiting, if you would, for the Passover week to carry out its duties? He went in the temple. And what did he do? He drove out all those profiteers, people that were there to make money, selling animals and change money and all the things that were going on in the temple. He drove a whip, got a whip, drove them out of the temple. Because he said, this is my father's house, not somewhere where you can come and make money. Amen? That should be for us to remember. God's house is for worship and prayer and singing and praising and doing what we should do for God. Amen? And, and you can kick me in the hindsight if you want. If I ever let up somebody come in here and turn it into a profit sharing place. Somewhere to make money. That's not what it's for. Amen? That don't mean you can't put something in the plate because we have to pay the bills too. I'm not, we're not here to make a profit. Actually, according to the government, we're a non-profit organization. Does that sound right? But that doesn't mean we can't bring money in and pay our bills with it. All right, we're not here to make money, but in the first century when Jesus went to Passover week there, of course he does it about three years later in his ministry. He does it a second time after what we call his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Of course, when he does that, he's only got a few days left on this earth, and they're after him at that point. Amen? So here we have it. In other words, Jesus has some clout, I'm sorry, Nicodemus has some clout and some influence and some temple power 
and it turns into being some type of, if you would, political power for him. To open this message, I, I said this encounter with Jesus was life-changing for Nicodemus. Here, he looked to the temple as an important leader, but he realized his teaching and his titles only went so far. And now, he's met the person that has knowledge and understanding and even miracles to show that he's probably doing a better job at what Nicodemus should have been doing all the time. In other words, he was doing, being a better Pharisee, if you would, than Nicodemus. And he wasn't even a, Jesus wasn't even a Pharisee. Amen? I got to tell you, there are times when I think the people that are in Washington, D.C., they think they're doing a good job. I wish I was in their shoes for just a few minutes because I think I could do a better job than they are. That's just me, and I, probably all of you have the same thought, but that's not the case. That's not the way it works. But uh, in Nicodemus's case, he went to night classes and met Jesus and say, what can I do to be a better teacher in reality? You're the best teacher because you get the miracles to back it. You got the knowledge. You got the truth. Teach me so that I can be a better teacher. Amen? So when he gets into this, here we have Nicodemus, uh, these miracles and everything that he has to, to look on that God is doing through Jesus Christ. And uh, he, as a, a Pharisee, even would qualify in the school of Pharisee theology. What was it about Jesus that Nicodemus saw or heard that he thought was it was time for him to meet Jesus face to face, one on one, in a private setting, without the noise of the crowd, where he could look him right in the eyeball and get things straight the way he thought they should be. Have you ever thought what you'd say if you was to sit down with Governor DeWine? If you had his undivided attention just for 15 minutes, what would be the number one thing you'd want to ask him? Hmm. Huh. What about Senator Jim Jordan? What about Davidson, our representative? Or even Biden? If you got 15 minutes with him, what would be the most pressing thing you'd want to ask him? Why did you, or why can't we, or how did this happen? Whatever your question would be. Amen? Well, we don't even, in our foggiest day, and it depends on what week it is, that changes constantly. But here in night class, Nicodemus had a thought on his mind he wanted to talk to Jesus about. He wanted that one-on-one -on -one night class that he could get there and get things taken out. Now, think about in our text, Jesus didn't go to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Huh. That speaks a little bit of his character. Amen? All right. I know there's a, a lot of politics in, in Washington, D.C., and a lot of things that are probably said and done that you and I disagree with. And there might be some things we agree with. But Jesus 
wanted to make sure that Nicodemus's questions were honest and sincere in what he's going to deal with him about. Amen? How many times does one of your state or federal leaders call you and ask you what your opinion of this situation is? Hmm? Can we just meet for a cup of coffee and talk over this situation? I want your input because I really think you could make a difference if I just had the knowledge you had. That's the way Nicodemus uh, looked at Jesus. Man, if I just knew a little more about what Jesus is doing. He just done a great thing. You know how many times Nicodemus probably walked into the temple, going to the Pharisee room, the classroom, walking past those people selling goats and chickens and donkeys and pigeons, and said, man, I wish they'd run them people out of here. And he didn't have enough backbone to do it. Huh? Those money changers. They're ripping people off like you wouldn't believe. I wish I could just go in there and upset their table. I wonder if he ever had that thought. And yet, he witnessed Jesus acting out on those thoughts. Amen. Nicodemus could have walked in there and said, you know, this is supposed to be God's house. And look at this mess. Amen. Amen. I feel the same way. When I come into the church and I see trash all over the floor or th thrown down and whatever, crumbs and whatnot, I thought, man, oh man, what kind of hogs are we feeding here? No, I've, never mind. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Betty, should I have said that? All right. Then, nonetheless, we just, what do we do? We just take the mop and clean it up, go on about our business. Amen? So, well, being a, a professional Pharisee, and for him to look to Jesus and call him rabbi, that gave him a title that Jesus really, if you want to say, hadn't gone to theological school or Pharisee school to earn that title, but he knew that he was somebody that he wanted to sit under. Maybe he could have called him pastor or minister. Uh, I think the best of all, uh, if you want to call me something, is brother. Amen? You can call me pastor if you want. Um, it does go against my grain when somebody calls me reverend. I have nowhere where I've written my name down as reverend dude. That never happens. Now, I, have, I do have a business card that calls me pastor dude. And I like my license plate that says brother dude. Amen? Uh, that reverend stuff, I kind of think that's just a little bit steep for me. I don't think I'm anybody that needs to be under the cloud of being reverenced. I think that should be reserved for God alone. Amen. But in our society, even Christian has been watered down and tarnished when people use the term Christian. In verse 2, tells us a lot about this encounter. Number one, it happened at night. Amen? Now, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have any kind of extra electricity lights or shine lights or flashlights. If they had any lights at all, they were probably uh, what we would think of as kerosene lanterns or candles uh, to light up what little bit. And who wants to walk down the street with a little candle in a windstorm? Yeah, you're not going to get very far. It's going to get blowed out. Uh, it's not going to work. Amen. But it says here that it was at night, and that should be a private time in the first century. 
a time for unwinding from the day's turmoil and traffic and going and going. This is Passover week. Amen? Amen? Got it? That Pharisee probably was expected to work from sunup to sundown during Passover week. Questions to be answered. Teachings to put, put out there. A time for unwinding. A time for relaxing. A time to get ready for bed. That's nighttime. Amen? But for Nicodemus and for Jesus, they've got to get their heads, if you would, together. And Jesus recognized Nicodemus had another agenda on his mind. Now, when we read this, you'll not hear the mention of the disciples where they were. All right? Now, Jesus, during the Passover time, usually instructed the disciples ahead of time where to go at certain times. Okay? Where did they go mostly during Passover to get some sleep? Well, if it wasn't raining, a good place to go is Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. All right? To go out there and rest on the hillside, on the other side of the Brook Kidron, which is right outside of Jerusalem. We've talked about that quite a lot. But here we find that Jesus and Nicodemus are alone, no disciples, no crowd, and Nicodemus is the first one that speaks. Hmm. Nicodemus calls him rabbi. Again, that's a title for a teacher. Still today, Jewish religion calls their leaders rabbis. They are the called of God in their religion to fill the position of leadership in the synagogues yet today. But in this case, Nicodemus believes Jesus is a teacher from God. He says so. We know you came from God. The things I heard you say in the temple ring true to my spirit and my, my understanding of what God would be doing if he were here. Well, guess what? God was there and he was ringing true. That's probably what triggered his uh, imagination to get there. Number one, it was because of the miracles, right? So far, at this point, like I said, there was only one performed. Amen? That was turning water to wine. And also, because of the actions of cleansing the temple. He drove out the animals and all the things that shouldn't have been in the temple that Nicodemus probably thought, good move. Amen? There's a lot of things I think are really good ideas, and I didn't even come up with them. But hey, I'll do it from now on, I can tell you that. Amen. In my mind, I wonder if Nicodemus ever thought it was a place, there was a place that he should have cleansed the temple as a Pharisee, and especially as an important Jewish leader. What actions would your pastor take if he came to the house of God and saw it being used for profit and ungodliness rather than a house of worship and praise. What would he say? What would he do? Amen? If I came in here and saw all the kids throwing, rolling dice against the wall there, think I'd say anything to them? Hmm. Well, I believe when Jesus 
ran off those using the temple wrong, Nicodemus realized that he didn't he did it in a reverent manner because he says at the end of verse 2, except God be with you. Hmm. So all the miracles and all the things Jesus did caught Nicodemus's eye because he said nobody can do that except God be with him. Amen. Nicodemus saw and heard of the words and actions of Jesus as though God was inspiring him to move forward in the temple, both in not only his miracles, but his teachings. And there were times when Jesus found a corner in the temple or a room in the temple or a place in the temple where he just sat down and the crowd just gathered around him as he taught them. Amen? That was what Jesus felt he was right to do. Now let's hold that thought about this encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus. And let's go to John the 7th chapter. That's just about three pages over. All right. Here in this chapter, Jesus again is in the temple teaching. It's another year has gone by. All right, another year, another Passover. Here we go. So Jesus is teaching in the, the temple. Of course, it's during the feast or the Passover. It tells us that in verse 14. Verse 14 says it was during the feast. Amen? Of course, we know what that is. Along with that, the Pharisees, as a group, were upset with Jesus. I mean, not just upset. They were irate. Amen? They wanted to impeach him. They wanted to get out of town. They wanted to find a reason they could get him for treason and hang him. Or, in, our, in his case, crucify him. Amen? Verse 25 tells us they wanted to kill him. And what's it say? Then some of them in Jerusalem is not the whom they seek to kill, Hmm. Boy, you've got to have a lot of hatred in your heart for somebody to think the best option is to get rid of them and kill them. All right? That's not what I would call a leader. Amen? So, in verse number 32, it tells us, let me read it there real quick. Verse 32, And the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. The Pharisees sent the police after him. That's who the officers are. Go arrest him and bring him back here. Why didn't they go get him himself? They feared the people because some of the people enjoyed the teachings that Jesus did. They learned a lot from Jesus. He didn't hurt nobody. All he did was love people, heal people, do miracles, and they wanted to kill him for it. Amen? Well, so they sent the officers to arrest him, and in verse number 45, those officers come back. Now, I want to pick it up there. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why haven't you brought him back? What are you doing? We sent you out there to arrest him. Why haven't you done it? 
And the officers answered, Never a man spake like this man. Whew. He must have had power in what he was saying and teaching. Then answered the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? The implied answer is no, but that's not true. We're going to find one here. But his, this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus says unto them, Ah, I turned too many pages, sorry. New Bible. Did you? And he's the one that came to Jesus for a night class. Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? And they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee rises no prophet. And every man went to his own house. All right, now let's understand what happened there from 45 down through the end of that chapter. He sends out the officers. The FBI, the CIA, the Secret Service for the Pharisees are all after this guy for all how corrupt he is and what he's doing to the temple. They send him out, and when they get there, they listen to him talk. And they come back amazed. Wow! We need to understand this some more about what this guy's teaching. Notice the leaders wanted others to do their dirty work for them. The leaders asked the officers, why didn't you arrest him? Why didn't you bring him? Why didn't you get him for us? Why didn't they go themselves? Well, they answered in verse number 46, never man spake like this man. We've never in all our years as officers heard anybody talk like this guy. Of course, in verse 47, their response was, Are you also de deceived? In other words, are you one of the deplorables too? Are, you te are you, your teachings and listenings different than what we've been teaching? Are you also deceived? Then to prove their point, verse 48 Have any rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? There's nobody in this room believes on Jesus. Here you come back and tell us he's the greatest teacher ever. Look around you in this room. All these Pharisees, they all got a degree. And all of us will stand up and tell you how stupid Jesus is. And besides, we just need to get rid of him. All he's doing is causing problems. Amen? That's the way they saw it. None of us believe here on Jesus was their conclusion, but they were wrong. There was one guy that went to night class. Amen? Amen. For after all, verse 49, they don't know how this temple politics works, number one. We make laws and rules, and everybody else 
has to toe the line, is what they thought. But here's what you see. Verse 50, Nicodemus speaks up. You know, the one who usually went to speak with Jesus by night now is speaking up for Jesus. And he says, why are we trying to kill this guy? He hasn't even had a trial yet. You guys have judged him guilty, and the police haven't even arrested him yet. Huh. What do you think of that stuff? Man, oh man. Verse 51, we dismiss someone before he has his day in court. Are we not innocent till proven guilty? Beware of the people that don't care about the facts because they've already got their minds made up. No more discussion. Don't want to talk about it. My mind's made up. You're evil. And I, want, I want you out of here. We're going to kill you. Amen? It's kind of like the people that say it's my way or the highway. Amen? I heard a preacher one time say, that's the way it is, you don't like it, there's the door. That's not preaching the gospel. That's not love. Amen. I, oh, I, I wanted to pass out when I heard him say that. I, thought I, made, I marked that one down 50 years ago and said, well, not 50, 47 years ago or so. I marked that one in my brain to say, I'll never do that. I have a hard enough time getting people to come to church without running any of them off. Amen? So don't none of you go anywhere. Stay here. We've got to work to do. Let's get it done for God. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, it's my way or the highway was the Pharisee motto. But Nicodemus was a different kind of Pharisee. Seemingly, he had a conscience. He cared. He had a heart. He had an open mind to God's truth. He believed what he heard and saw that God was doing in the people, in the temple, in the first century through Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 52, they say, what's the matter with you, Nicodemus? Are you also from Galilee? As if, just because you're from Galilee, you can't think. Amen? Just from you're from another place, you don't know nothing that's going on. Amen? You don't have to be from Jerusalem to know what God's trying to do with His people. You just have to ha be in touch with His Word and His Spirit. Amen? Are you thinking like those deplorables, Nicodemus? Have you started and hid from behind your guns and Bibles? Well, search it out. Nothing good comes from an opposing political party. Those reprobates in Galilee, we cannot have them in our temple. We've got to do so. They hated the Samaritans too, not just the Galileans. Amen. You know that story about the Good Samaritan. Why did Jesus teach that? to show the Pharisees in Jerusalem, hey, 
Even Samaritans do good things every once in a while. Even when the, the priest and the Levites pass by, the Samaritan stops and helps. Amen. Just because of where you were born doesn't make you or break you in the way people want to conform you into their thinking. Amen. So with that said, in verse number 53, it must have been getting dark outside. They didn't want to go to night class. They all went home. That's it. Close it. That, too late. Can't learn nothing now. It's dark. Got to go. They all went home. Of course, we know what happened after that. And going forward, uh, the Pharisees believed they won the battle that day in Jerusalem when they went home. They thought they'd put the officers in their place. They thought they'd put Jesus in his place. They thought they'd put Nicodemus in his place. And they were still in charge. Amen? Here, Jesus just passed away at Calvary. And the next thing I want to read to you in John, the 19th chapter. Jesus had just been to the cross and passed away. Let me get there. Takes me a little longer with these new pages. In John 19, uh, verses 38-42, comes to pass that the night class is paid off for Nicodemus. Verse 38, Jesus had just died, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus. Uh-oh, here's another night class graduate. Joseph of Arimathea. Now, we don't have a whole lot about Joseph of Arimathea in the Scripture. There's a little bit, but not as much as we have on Nicodemus. And they got together, being a disciple, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, they didn't publish that they liked Jesus, but they did. Besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. And they came, therefore, took the body of Jesus. Pilate wasn't going to argue over a dead body. He had gotten a report that Jesus died on the cross. Well, get that dead body out of here. It don't matter to me. And there came also, 39, Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, aloes about a hundred pound weight. Now, I don't know whether that hundred pound translates into a hundred pounds in, in today's hundred pounds or what it was, but it was a lot. Okay? And they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. They gave him a proper burial as far as what the Jews did in the first century. They wrapped him in linen and put spices on him. Then they put him in a tomb, or sepulcher, they called it, where nobody had ever been before. It's a brand new one. Just got dug. They just now had cut a hole in the rock and went in there and cut a shelf out in the rock. And they took the body in there and laid it down. And when they came out after they put the spices on, they rolled a stone in front of the door to keep everybody out of there. Well, there's a lot that could be said about that. Uh, a, uh, all right, so I'm going to keep going here. It's nonetheless, I don't want to get off track. I'm sorry about 
that Paul is there. But nonetheless, they did to Jesus' body the way the Jews knew to do it. All right? So, Joseph, and Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea, at this point, was obvious that Jesus was right and the Pharisees were wrong. The same was, could be said of Nicodemus. So after they got the body and took care of it, they put the dead body out and go ahead and bury it. They were in a hurry to do it because the Jewish law during the Passover week and other weeks too, you're not allowed to touch a dead body after dark. Did you know that? That's against, if you did that, then you weren't pure enough to participate in the uh, Passover. You were considered unclean. So these two Pharisees gave Jesus a somewhat proper burial in a big hurry because it's almost night. It's almost dark. Again, the Jewish law was that you couldn't touch a dead body after that on the Sabbath day or on a high feast day, which the scripture calls the day of preparation in verse 42. So how, now, now how do we think Joseph and Arimathea knew the tomb was going to be temporary? Jesus said it would be. Many a time in the temple, wherever Jesus went, he said, go ahead and kill me. Three days later, I'm coming back. Huh, well, he told him that in the second chapter. After he cleansed the temple, the next thing he taught him was, hey, you, I'll tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. Tells you that in John, the second chapter, after he cleansed it. Did you know that? And they said, wait a minute. It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to do it in three days? Watch me. And he did. Now, he wasn't talking about the building, temple. He's talking about his temple, his body. Amen? And he did come out three days later. Sure enough, three days later, the tomb was empty. Jesus was gone. Jesus was alive again. Now, if you go on and read into the 20th chapter, you're going to find the ladies go down there to try to finish the proper burial for Jesus. But they couldn't do it on the preparation day. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath day. They had to wait till the first day of the week. And of course, that gave Jesus three days and three nights to catch his breath and move on to the next chapter that God had for him. Amen? Well, once we realize Jesus is alive and everything's working out good, for Nicodemus, it must have brought back again John, the third chapter. When he was taught by the teacher of God, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. As I study about Nicodemus, it reminds me once again, salvation is an individual, personal experience with God. Amen? Amen. God ain't got no grandchildren. Did you, get, did you catch that? The world and its leaders will make you think like them and doubtfully of all what God wants for you. But we need to check out the facts, the truth God wants us to grasp and hold on with all might to God's truth that lead us to God 
and not towards the thing of this world that follow the prince of this world. I appreciated the testimony in Sunday school. And at the end of it, you know what I said? No matter how bad you were before Christ, the devil wasn't, still wasn't happy. He wanted you to be worse. He wanted to take you down deeper into sin. He wanted to make it harder for you to find Christ. Amen? Sometimes you got to smack a pole pretty hard to get woke up to see what Jesus wants you to be. We learned that in Sunday school. Amen? Being born again is God's second chance for all of us. All of us needed a second chance. All of us, the Bible said, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? It's just that way. Sorry. That's the truth that it goes with. And so if it's uh, what Jesus wants to do, I personally believe it works. Being born again works because all three persons of the Trinity are involved. God's involved. Christ's involved. And the Holy Spirit's involved. When you get born again, all three of them is going to have a meeting with you. Amen? You can't get any higher in brain power than have a night class with the Trinity. All three of those teachers will bring you to the place you need to be in your spiritual experience before God. Well, the Pharisees missed it for the most part because they trusted in the law and not in the spirit that Jesus introduced to them. This morning, we need to listen to the two witnesses, his word and his spirit, and put away the things of this world in order to prepare for a better world. That's what the born-again experience is all about. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Let